And welcome to another edition of Diary of a Codependent Love Addict. My name is Michael, and I am so glad that you are here. And today I'm just going to kind of like freestyle everything. You're like freestyle, aren't you? Are your podcasts like freestyle? I would love to say that they are, but I do script a lot of the things that I talk about because, you know, once you get past the age of 40, you forget a lot of things. So I take a lot of notes and then I set up a, um, uh, script on what I'm going to talk about. And then I practice it a few thousand times. And then what you hear is what I perform. So today I'm just going to freestyle it. And, um, I had a couple of ideas on things that I wanted to talk about and I wrote them down. And, um, I had, um, a topic that I, I wanted to do this morning. And then, you know, this afternoon I was like, there's something else that's a little bit more important I want to talk about. Not necessarily important, but I just kind of want to throw it out there, you know. So how did I get into 12 Steps to begin with? Well, it's a complicated story. Actually, it's not a complicated story at all. It's fairly easy. Um, so I guess I'll start from the beginning. About maybe six years ago, um, actually longer than that. Let's go way, way back. So um, eight years ago, I was going through a divorce and I decided that I didn't want to get an apartment. I decided I wanted to just kind of rent a room out. So I rented this room out, which was close enough that I could see my kids. I could pick them up from school, drop them off at home and be home in like five minutes. So that worked itself out. Now, during that time, I got a heart infection and ended up in the hospital for a while. Um, I would tell you that having a heart infection will sober you up. Having any kind of kind of issue where you have to be in a hospital for a long length of time and having to learn to walk and learn to eat and learn to do all the things that we take for granted will sober you up fairly quickly. So, um, that whole scenario took about six months. I was in the hospital from about, uh, January until March. And then from March to around June, I was in rehab. So I had to learn once again, learn how to walk, learn how to shower, learn how to do things that we take for granted on a day-to-day basis. Now, during that time, um, of the rehab, the landlords of the house that I was living in were going to sell their home. So they had told me ahead of time, Hey, just to let you know, you know, in about six months, we're going to put this place up on the market. So you may want to find another place. So, you know, being the procrastinator that I am, I procrastinated and I procrastinated for like weeks at a time. I was kind of looking at places and kind of, you know, checking it out, but I didn't take it serious. So um, one of my part-time gigs was doing security work. And the person that who headed up the security place was like, hey, you know, Michael, we got this place. I got a room for you. And don't worry about it. It's X amount of dollars. And it was right down the street from the place I was currently staying at. 
So I was like, oh, sweet. This is a good deal. It's with someone that I know. I'm not too worried about it. So I went ahead and said, okay, I'll take the place. I'm not going to worry about it. So the closer we're getting to moving out of, or me moving out of this place, I kept going back to my friend and saying, hey, what's the deal on your place? Are you are you ready for me to move in? I have money. I'm ready to go. And he's like, oh, it's not ready yet. I'll let you know. And so this stretched on for about three weeks. So we're getting to a point where there's two weeks left before I have to physically move out. I'm talking to him. I'm like, dude, it has been like a few months now. What's going on? And he wasn't getting back to me. I drive over to his place. I talk to his cousin. His cousin's like, he's not here. And I'm like, oh, gosh, I'm supposed to meet you at a certain time. We're supposed to meet at your place. Doesn't show up at all. At that moment, I'm pissed off to all high hell and water. So I say, screw him. I'm like, I'm not going to do this with him. So then um, in in typical fashion, I, I go on Craigslist. Yes, yes, folks, I do Craigslist. In, in this case, I did Craigslist, okay? So just I'm throwing it out there. I did Craigslist. So I go on Craigslist. I find a couple of places, one nearby my kids, one a little further away, not too far, maybe about a five-minute drive, and nothing pans out. So I'm like, oh, man, because I'm very picky, all right? Just to let you know, I'm picky about my surroundings. I'm picky about what's around me, you know. And so I'm on Craigslist, and I find this article. Not it's an article. It was a listing. Sorry, it was a listing. And the listing was about sober living. And I was like, okay, this ought to be really interesting. So I start weighing the pros and cons of living in a sober living facility. You know, wow, it's not that far away from where my kids live. It's about maybe five to seven minutes away. Great. I could learn a lot about the people that I'm living with, I would have roommates. That would be cool. I can share, I can save up some money, you know, so I can get my own place, blah, 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 blah. So I call this place up and the gentleman who is in charge of this uh, sober living facility says, Hey, why don't you come by the house managers here? We can talk about blah, 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 blah. So I get there, right? He shows me around the place. It's a one-story, um, two-bedroom. At the time, there were bunk beds. There were one, two. There were. It was at this at this point. It was a twelve-person facility, in a one in a two-bedroom house, one kitchen, one bathroom, one living room. That's it. Um, There were lots of places around to go visit, lots of places to go eat, lots of places to go get um, food, lots of uh, stuff to go. Just basically everything you need is within either walking distance or five-minute drive. So I was like, all right, cool. I really didn't want to spend more time looking for a place to stay. So I was like, all right. What's the down payment? He's like, hey, it's only $475. I was like, great. 
So, um, and no, it, it had its own laundry room, which was a benefit for me. Now, keep in mind, there's a laundry room, 10 people. Yeah, you had to like, and plus I'm working. So I had to pick like certain times during the week that I could wash my clothes without having to worry about anything. So I, I, I took all this into account and, and went to the bank, got some money, signed the lease, handed over my money, said, hey, I'll be moving in in about a couple of days. Let's do this. Now, I want you to keep in mind, this is a sober living facility. I have never been in a sober living facility in my entire life. And so I learned a lot about myself. I learned a lot about other people. I learned a lot about addicts in the sober living facility. So I thought it was going to be a cakewalk. I was like, dude, if I just stay to myself, everything will be fine. I don't have to worry about it. But when you live in a sober living facility, that is not the case. So I move into this place. Um, I live at this at this point. The room that I stay in is in the back room. Like I said, they were about um, one, two, three, four. Five, six. There were six bunk beds in this room. And at the time that I'm living in there, there were only three of us in that back room. Now, okay, so I have to get up early in the morning and go to work. So I get up early and go to work. Everyone has also their their place. In the bathroom, there's a, you know, where your toiletries are. There's a place on, in the refrigerator where you have your stuff. I'm not used to this. I'm not used to living with more than four people, okay? In in college, there's four people in the dorms. There's a refrigerator. You either have your own room or you share with one other person. Here I am sharing with four people, one room one refrigerator, one bathroom, um, and, and a ton of people to live with. So you quickly learn how to get along with people who are addicts, who have addictions. <sighs> so I move into this place. One stipulation is if you're going to live in a sober living facility, you have to go to twelve step, a 12-step program. Luckily for me, since I was not an active um, alcoholic or drug addict, I did have to go to Al-Anon meetings. And I didn't mind going to Al-Anon meetings because going to Al-Anon allowed me to learn how to deal with my my qualifier, who at the time was my ex-wife. And so... I figured this would be an interesting experience. So I had to learn, I had to go to one meeting a week, which I enjoyed. It was a, it was a nighttime meeting. It was after work. I met a lot of interesting people there. As a matter of fact, that's where I met my girlfriend. She wasn't my girlfriend at the time, um, but this is where I met her. I met her at an Al-Anon meeting. Um, Living with addicts of uh, of different types, there were drug addicts that were there. 
there were alcoholics that lived there and the talk was um it was triggering i'll put it to you that way it was lots of triggers they would talk about the types of the types of um drugs that they use they would talk about their favorite alcohol they would talk about you know things that would happen to them when they were on these on on at the height of their addiction and I, I would have to learn to keep my mouth shut. I would have to learn, like, dude, I, I really don't need to hear any of this right now. I am trying to learn to deal with my, 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 the current person that is an alcoholic, that is my qualifier and she's driving me crazy. And now I have to deal with a bunch of other addicts that are driving me crazy. Ah. <sighs> Let me tell you, in the time that I was there, I was in this sober living facility for almost three years. I saw people come and go. I saw people um, get kicked out of the sober living facility for drinking. One person like actively had stuff in his bag and tried to play it off like, oh, dude, this is not mine. This is someone else's. I spent a lot of time with people who were in the midst of their addiction and counseling them and being their friend and learning how to stand up for myself and learn how to, I had to learn a lot of things about myself that I didn't know. That was, that was difficult. Um, because now I have to go through the steps. I have to, learn about things that I should have learned when I was a kid. Now I'm learning them as an adult and I'm learning them. I'm learning all this around addicts, right? As time goes by, um, the house manager who was there decides he wants to move downstairs because a spot opened up. So he and the assistant moved downstairs. He comes to me, says, Hey, would you love to be, um, you know, in charge of the stuff up here. And I was kind of like, uh, no, because I have a job. He's like, I get it. I get it. So um, long story short, the assistant manager decides to move out. The house manager's like, hey, you can come down here and rent it with me, which I politely decline. The good thing about when the house manager and the assistant house manager move downstairs I had been the longest term tenant at this place. So I had the opportunity to move into their room, which was a two bedroom. So I had to share with someone else, but it was a badge of honor for me. So I had, I felt, I felt like I had earned the, the, the right to have this room. And so I, I took that room. I'd been in this. I basically was in this room for about a year and a half. Okay. So I wasn't moving downstairs. There was no way I was going to be a part of this. I, I love the job that I have. Um, the roommates that were there at the time that I moved in had moved out. Roommates were coming and going. And... Um, being in this sober living facility was a wake up call for me. It it 
taught me really quickly that I needed to be an adult. Cause like I said, in, in prior, um, prior podcasts, you know, you're always trying to, um, you're always trying to kind of work with your younger self and you're trying to, you know, you're trying to, the little Michael in me and the big Michael in me were clashing all the time. The little Michael's like, you know, if we stay here, it's familiar, it's this. And the 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 Michael now is like, we got to get out of here because, you know, we're outgrowing this place. The point in time came for me to move when um, the roommate that I was in the room with, who was sharing the room with me, was um, fell off the wagon. And he, you could tell because when people are 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 on the wagon, they're clear headed, they're precise, and when you're not, you're going through stuff. There, everyone's mood changes, and his mood was changing like every day, every like different days, something would happen. And he he pulled me aside one day. He said, "I fell off the wagon." He said, "Um." You know, I told the house manager that I I had, we had a a deep discussion. And at that moment, I was like, you know something, do I want to continue going through this? I had already been there two years, 11 months, and I had seen this, this movie play out time and time again, and I was just tired of the movie. So I decided it was time for me to move once again. My friends at Craigslist did an amazing job of helping me find a place. Um, And it's the place that I'm currently at right now. It's an awesome place. It's a house. I have a house. I'm renting a house with, you know, all the stuff that I had back at this other place at the sober living facility. And um, it taught me to live by myself. Um, I've lived by myself before. But I was not at a point when I was living by myself that I'm at now. I'm at peace with myself. I'm at peace with little Michael. He and I talk frequently, you know, and I'm at a point in my life right now where I I go to meetings on weekends. I use all of the, um, I use all the steps, you know, uh, constantly, I, I'm I'm always finding new things about myself that I didn't know about before. But being in a sober living facility is not for everyone. Um, if you're you're serious about your sobriety, then I would suggest going to a sober living facility. I would highly suggest it because you get to see people who are just like you. You you learn from those people. You say, "Hey, this works for them. Maybe I should try that." You 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 go to program and you you work the steps. You know, I I found my time in the three years that I was there. I was constantly working on the steps because I needed to to keep myself from bouncing off the walls or killing someone in sober living. So. Once I moved out, it wasn't like I said, up, oh, I'm not I'm never going back to 12 step again. 
I needed to stay with it. I, I needed to be in 12-step programs because it allowed me to understand who the hell I was or who the hell I am. And it allowed me to go, wow, you know, you had a messed up life. The people that you're with had a messed up life. You relate to those people. You need those people to survive. So if there's anyone, you know, listening to this podcast thinking, you know, I, I might want to try a, you know, a, a sober living facility, my suggestion to you, and this is just a suggestion, take what you like and leave the rest. Check out the facility. Check out the people that live there. Check out people who come and go. Check out your surroundings, your neighborhood that you're in. I was in an amazing neighborhood uh, of houses and a church across the street, which was great. Um, transportation was nearby, even though I had my own car. Um, but check out what's in the area. Check out who are the people that are living there. Um, ask questions. Ask lots of questions. Um Find out what happens if a person um, does fall off the wagon, if they do relapse, relapse. What is the process? Are they, do they move out right away? Is there a two to three day? Because this, this is going to affect you. Ask, you know, do you give them two days, three days? Do you give them like a week to find a place or do they get kicked out immediately? Because you're going to get triggered instantaneously if you're not, you know, if they're not on their A game, you're going to get triggered. And the next thing you know, you're the person getting kicked out. So these are questions that you want to ask. Um, ask, hey, is is could you recommend um, a program for me? Can you recommend um, a sponsor? Are there people here that can sponsor me? Or do you know of people that could sponsor? So these are really important questions and things that you want to find out when you're going into a sober living facility. Am I proud that I needed to go to a sober living facility? I am actually, I am. Because I, like I said, I learned a lot about myself. I learned who I am. I learned um, how to get along with others. I've learned to get along with myself. I'm a practicing 12-stepper, and if it wasn't, for 12-step programs, if it wasn't for me being in a sober living facility, I would be more messed up than I was before I got there. So I am grateful for the situation that I put myself in, and I am grateful for the people that I met while I was there, and I'm grateful to all of you who listen to my story whether you relate to it or you don't, or you just say, hey, I this guy, this Michael guy, there's something about him. I, it, it warms my heart. I have some subscribers now, or not subscribers, I have people who listen to my podcast on a regular basis. And I am so grateful for each and every one of you who take the time to listen. You know, I, I, I do this because it's there. <laughs> one of my favorite rappers is NF and he's like, when he talks, he speaks his truth. It's therapy for him. So when I'm doing this, it's therapy for me because I'm able to outreach and say, hey, you know, this happens. You know, you're not the only person going through it. So I'm grateful to do this podcast. Um, before I end, 
you know, I, I've got to do a word from our sponsor, but then we're going to end on a good note. Okay. I'll be right back. Now a word from our sponsor. Welcome back. Thank you so much for listening to that um, plug. Yeah, it's a plug, right? Yeah, it's a plug. Um, if that voice sounds familiar, it's yours truly. Of course, I'm on Anchor, and what they want you to do is, if you ever thought about doing a podcast or maybe just you know doing like I do, and just kind of talking about stuff that you know or you know, you know people that are really good orators and and are are you know want to get their message out there, then Anchor is the way to go. So I'm thankful to Anchor for allowing me this platform that I can talk about um, my sobriety and the things that I've gone through. And um, you know, the great thing about Anchor, it's really simple to do. It takes you all of a minute to set it up and, and get started. So thank you, Anchor, for supporting me. Thank you for having me uh, be able to do my podcast. Thank you, thank you, a million thank yous, all the listeners that are out there, all my my friends, family, and people I don't know from around the world. You were awesome. If you are currently in a situation um, where you're working on your sobriety, keep going. Okay. If you're thinking about getting going into a sober living facility, like I say, check it out. I hope that your sobriety works. Um, I am grateful for the time that I spent in a sober living facility. I am grateful for the people that I met there. I am grateful to all the 12-step programs that I belong to, all three of them. Because if it wasn't for those programs, I would be cuckoo for Cocoa Puffs. So, thank you so much for being a listener. I appreciate each and every one of you. Have a good rest of your week. Blessings and take care.